This episode is brought to you by Menard Premium Detailing, the best auto detail company in Bucks County, where convenience meets luxury. Check them out on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and at MenardPremiumDetailing.com. This episode is also brought to you by Shamrock Sun, your new big-ass bottle of sunscreen delivered by subscription. Check them out on Instagram and at shamrocksun.com. Welcome back, everybody, to Thoughts from the Shade. It is episode 34 coming to you here late Tuesday evening. Probably coming through your ears on a Wednesday or hopefully sometime before Super Bowl 56, which is this Sunday between the Cincinnati Bengals and the Los Angeles Rams. Uh, We will get to the game here shortly and have our last uh, commemorative Fade the Shade of the 21-22 football season. But first, let's welcome in my co-host, the man, the myth, the legend, who's fresh off a trip to sunny West Palm Beach where he had some R&R, some golf, some good times, some interesting times. Bomb, how are you? I'm back. It hurts. We're back in the... uh... You know, in the depths of winter, it hits it hits you hard when you hop off the plane. But I'd like to say that hopefully I brought a little warm weather back here to the Northeast. It's supposed to be, uh, you know, in the upper 50s here on Saturday. So uh, hopefully, uh, hopefully spring's around the corner. I got an early jump on it down in Florida. Played a lot of golf, none of it well. But uh, happy to be back. Good to see you. Yeah, thanks. I'm, I'm glad you made it home safe. Good to hear you're, uh, you know, continuing to work out the kinks and the golf swing and you should be be full bore, full go uh, here in a, in a couple of weeks. Whenever spring is sprung, but you know any any notable uh, you know tales or things that happened in West Palm Beach, any any spots, any courses, just tell us about the trip a little bit. Yeah, we ended up playing uh, you know I think ninety eight holes over the course of four or five days. Um, I would say the crown jewel of the experience was the Palm Beach Par Three, man. Um, Water views. You could see the ocean. You could see the bay. Uh, not too, not too far south from uh, Mar-a-Lago. So big money around. Um, course was immaculate. Uh, experience was great, right? And uh, you know, a lot of times in Florida golf, as you know, <clears throat> you know, you're dumping balls in the water. You know, a lot of dogleg holes with protected by water, and uh, you know, you don't get that on a par three course, right? You get to dial those wedges in, baby. And I'd say that was the most enjoyable round down there. We played a few more Atlantic National. We played at the Florida Club. I'll just say the Florida Club was a far cry from the Bucks Club. Let's just leave it at that. Wow. And well, you were down there with a foursome. Did you have a foursome down there or what? We had a foursome. Um, you know, good crew. Lots of controversy. Um, illegal drops being uh, uh, being uh, you know accused. Uh, a fluffing of lies being accused. Um, uh, lots of controversy. So if you see bomb on, on Zyre golf, give it a double tap, but a lot of screaming, hollering, uh, a number of beers obviously consumed on the course led to that, but good times all the way around. Were there any broken clubs? I thought, I thought I was informed over the weekend of a, of a driver that was into three pieces at one point. Yes, uh, one of the <laughs> one of the members of the uh, the foursome uh, on day one, uh, literally the first round. I, I want to say he at least made it to the back nine. It might have been around twelve or thirteen. Uh, hit a, uh, I'll just you know say it. Hit a really you know poor shot. The driver went flying, uh, you know, thrown uh, or I should say maybe catapulted or or uh, you know projected across the uh, the tee box it lands with such force that it snaps into three pieces and uh we're actually playing with an older guy steve from long island who uh you know was a character in his own right and uh, we just started cracking up and i think uh, you know i wonder what steve was thinking you know an older guy you know probably wonder why he's out there with the young bucks and these assholes that are snapping clubs after you know playing like shit for 12 holes i mean it's like we expect to get down there and just fire off like an 82 after sitting on our thumb in the Northeast 
for the last three months in this fucking bitter cold. And we roll off the plane. We go to the baggage claim, grab our clubs, unpack everything, go out to the course and just expect it to happen. And when it doesn't happen, fucking clubs get snapped. I mean, it's brutal. I was going to say, like, shouldn't you just be happy to be there, happy to be in some warm weather and playing some golf in February? Um, just being, being with the guys and playing the game we love, but I mean, I, I guess he made it to the back and yes, it's a frustrating game. Yes. We all hit bad shots, but you got a club toss your first round of the year of 2022. That's, that's just not a way to start after, after not much preparation that you're able to get done uh, here in Pennsylvania. Yeah. And I'll say I was advocating, you know, before the, uh, before the trip, I was advocating for the first day being a range day. Um, you know, getting it dialed, getting some swings in, getting the wedges dialed, getting the distances dialed, maybe getting, you know, 50 or so driver swings in because, you know, obviously the short game goes, but I'd also like to think that the big stick is tough unless you, unless you've been hitting that for, you know, a few weeks ahead of going out. And when there's water all over the course and the courses are bending and curving and, you know, it doesn't make for a fun experience if you don't have that driver dialed in. Now, was the driver, was it replaced on the trip, or was the guy hitting a long iron off the tee the rest of the week? What happened? No, I mean, the uh, this individual ended up hitting one of his, uh, you know, one of our other buddies' uh, uh, driver, um, complained about its results, frankly, which I thought was despicable. Uh, he was complaining about said driver, which was not his. Um, there were a couple more balls dumped into water, and I thought, oh, no, here it comes again, the, you know, the club snap. But luckily, he realized it was not his driver. I'm of no help in that situation. Uh, my clubs are obviously all left-handed, so they were protected from uh, from this absolute lunatic who was snapping clubs on the course. And th- this is the same guy that was uh, making accusations about lies being fluffed uh, and balls being moved, and, and he's using another player's club. I, I believe if you're playing <laughs> by PGA standards, that that's a rules violation itself. You know what? <laughs> that one did not come to me in the moment. And gee, that's why we need you on all future golf trips because <laughs> when, you know, when somebody's playing, you know, that hard and, 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 uh, that, you know, playing like that much of a stickler with the rules, that's why we need a guy like you to really get us back to basics, get that, um, PGA, uh, rule book out. And in fact, my partner, a guy, uh, a lovely guy by the name of Big Meech was calling this person uh, who snapped the club and proceeded to call rules violations all over the course was calling him Gary for the remainder of the weekend. And, uh, and, uh, this, 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 this individual ended up asking Gary, why the fuck are you calling me Gary? And big Meech said, Oh no, Gary, Gary young head PGA rules official. You fucking asshole. That's good. That's good stuff. Um, yeah, I mean, Working back, and uh, like you said, got the warm weather this weekend. I know, I know you asked me about playing. I actually have a uh, a birthday gathering for a good friend of mine. We're going over to Top Golf in Flemington, so I will be will be hitting some balls. Just uh, won't be a full round of eighteen. I mean, I think that birthday gathering at Top Golf. I mean, what is what what are what is this? I mean, is this like what what are we? You know, fifteen again having birthday parties. I think it's going to be a fantastic time. I mean, I just think you know, it's sixty degrees on Saturday. You're going to Top Golf. That's a that's a violation. Yeah, well, we didn't anticipate it being sixty uh, when it was when it was lined up a few weeks back. Um, but I'll just be getting that work in, and and the next opportunity that that shows itself, I'll be ready to to take your cash. The next opportunity that shows itself. <laughs> I don't think so. I mean, why not just cancel the Top Golf and we'll, we'll make a couple foursomes for you and your your buddy's birthday, and I'll take your cash Saturday. Why not do that? Wow, wow that that would be that would be a crazy crazy change of plans, but no no can do. Wow. But I think I think Puxatani Phil or whatever the hell his name is. I don't know what the deal is if he sees his shadow if he doesn't see the shadow, but I think they said on the news last week on Groundhog's Day that it's six more weeks of winter, but. We're starting to see some warm weather this weekend. Hopefully it continues, but uh, you, you never know uh, here in Pennsylvania this time of year. But anything else on the golf front, on the golf trip? Again, glad you're home safe. Sounds like some good times were had. Um, 
or should we should we move on to the Super Bowl? Let's go, let's get to the Super Bowl talk. Super Bowl Fifty Six. It is Super Bowl week. Uh, it is the culmination of the first rendition, the first season here of Thoughts from the Shade. It's it's carried us, you know, from September here to February. Um, so we're gonna put a bow on this damn thing. Go out in style. Hopefully, go out two and zero. Bomb and I uh, on our final fade the shade NFL pick of the year. But yeah. Uh, around six o'clock, six thirty, somewhere in that neighborhood, Sunday evening, SoFi Stadium in LA, uh, Bengals, Rams. Uh, we talked last week about the line movement. I really haven't seen a ton. I've just seen fours and four and a halfs, and uh, you know the total floating around forty-eight, forty-nine. Nothing too crazy going on. Uh, I did see today, CJ Uzama. Uh, sorry if I'm saying that wrong, but the tight end for the Bengals. Had a knee sprain or an MCL sprain, and he was at a rally, uh, you know, with the Cincinnati faithful, and he ripped off the brace on the injured knee and said, "I'm playing." So good news there for Bengals fans. Uh, not not too many other significant developments, uh, I don't think, at this time. But I mean, let's just get to picking the game bomb. Unless you had anything else, uh, what are, what are your thoughts for Sunday evening? Well, I gave you a little bit of a preview last episode where I talked about the cycle of media week and how it was going to spin and spin and spin for these L.A. Rams. And they were going to be the little, you know, obviously the uh, the preferred storyline for the media. And um, look, this is this is the, the prima donnas versus the working class. Let's just call it what it is. Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, that ragtag team. He's got no O-line. The defense is bowed up a bit. Um, I like the Bengals. I like them. Uh, final score, 26-18. I like them outright. I'm going to take them with the points. I'm going to take a money line. Um, I think they I think they, they keep the Rams in check, and Burrow and the team does enough to keep the heat off of him and get the ball down the field to the playmakers. The way they're going to accomplish that, I think, is with some screen game that, uh, as, as, we, as we said last episode, G, uh, not, not Vaughn, Vaughn. Vaughn Miller is going to be attacked with screens. Uh, Aaron Donald is going to be attacked with screens. These guys are out for one thing and one thing only, their own stat lines. Um, They're not going to play the screen game appropriately. They're not going to play the draw game appropriately. Look for for the Bengals to mix it up, get some points early, bow up on defense, and take it home. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I said it last week. I wouldn't bet the Rams in in this game. Um, So I I think it's no secret that, that I'll be on Cincinnati. Uh, love the points, love them to win this game. Um, I mean, first of all, you look at the matchup at quarterback. Yes, Joe Burrow is is young, um, but he's honestly got about the same amount of playoff experience as Matthew Stafford. And, you know, he slayed the dragon in the AFC and the Kansas City Chiefs. And he's just a cool customer. I, re- I really don't think he'll be too phased by the bright lights on Sunday or by the pressure. Um, and then you look at the Cincinnati offensive line. It's been talked about plenty. Um, but you know what? They they gave up the nine sacks against the Titans in the divisional round. Still came out with a win. Still did enough to get the job done. I think something that we see Sunday, uh, and you kind of alluded to it, is the running backs, P, uh, P. Ryan or Perron, P. Ryan, I don't know. Um, he's the backup. And then Joe Mixon. I think we see these guys get involved in the passing game, getting out in the flat, getting out on swing passes, um, kind of taking taking the pressure off the offensive tackles and making those DNs kind of double think or, or double take about, you know, just going, pinning their ears back and, and going full bore at Burrow. Um, and then on the defensive side, I think, uh, I don't know. I mean, I think uh, if Trey Hendrickson plays, he's a DN for Cincinnati. Uh, he, he's a big impact player. I believe I read something out there. Uh, that their pass rush when he's in the lineup uh, is is about second in the NFL, and when he's not in the lineup, it drops to like 30th, which is pretty tough. Um, but no, I, I I think I think the Bengals get it done. They were stout on D in the second half against the Chiefs, which is a much more potent offense, I believe, than the Rams. Uh, so I don't think that they'll have too many issues stopping the Rams. Um, and and you just look at McVeigh, um, what he did in the Super Bowl against New England and obviously that's a Belichick defense and everything but 
for the bright young mind that he supposedly is, he showed up and put up three points. Um, I, I don't think he's going to have some like evil genius game plan that they absolutely come out and light the world on fire against the Bengals. No, I, I agree. What, what about the other side of the ball? What, what is your take on the storyline of the big stars on the Rams defense? And I'm going to ask you about one of them. Jalen Ramsey coming out in the media. He's lobbying to cover Jamar Chase. Your thoughts? I mean, so much is made about Jalen Ramsey. I mean, I don't. I, did they trade for him or did they sign him in free agency? Um, you know, I know they've given a haul for a number of guys that are currently on the team, and, and I can't recall if, if he was a free agent. I think it was a trade. I think it was a trade, and it might have been two firsts. Um, and maybe you can take take a look at that while I'm yucking it up here. But, I mean, like you hear so much about Ramsey and, and how great he is, and he's a shutdown corner and one of the elite corners. I mean, I've watched a lot of Rams games this year, and I don't really see guys struggling that hard to put up put up a line and put up a stat line. I mean, I feel like Mike Evans has had a couple good games against the Rams. Uh, Debo Samuel has had numerous good games against the Rams. And, yes, those guys are at the top of their position in the league, but apparently Ramsey is too. So you think it'd be, be a 50, 50, uh, you know, win loss rate in, in the passing game, but sure. He, he can try to guard Jamar chase and maybe it's a challenge for chase. He's a rookie. Uh, maybe he hasn't seen that, that type of, uh, that type of player in Ramsey, but I think Ramsey's overrated. And you know what, if he happens to have a good game, um, they got T Higgins, they got Uzama, they got Tyler Boyd. Uh, they're going to have the running backs involved in the passing game. I, I really don't think it's that big of a deal. Uh, and, and I also think Chase is an absolute stud. Uh, I, I, again, just like Burrow, I don't think he's phased. I don't think he's concerned. These guys just show up, they go to work, they produce, and I think it'll be the same thing on Sunday. Yeah, the Ram- the Ramsey deal, just to touch on that, was two firsts and a fourth. Um, For a guy yeah. that I, I believe dropped a pick that had him right in the hands in the NFC Championship game. Yeah, I mean, this guy, This all this guy does is talk off the field. Um, you might remember his days at Florida State. You know, there was all that talk about how if he was playing a big-time wide receiver at another school, he'd be looking up that receiver's girlfriend on Instagram and sliding into, into her DMs before the game. I mean, the guy's a punk. Um, you remember him playing, you know, he's talked about as the star player on that Jacksonville defense that miraculously made it to the AFC Championship game. Uh, in 2017 against the Pats, they were up in that game 20 to 17 with about eight, nine minutes left in the game chance to go to the Super Bowl. And uh, you know who he was fucking covering? Gee. He was covering okay. the fucking the fucking lacrosse player from Penn State, Hogan. Meanwhile, Danny Amendola is torching that defense. I think Amendola might have had seven or eight catches in the last eight minutes, two touchdowns. The Patriots win that game 24 to 20. And before the game, I'm pretty sure Ramsey was chirping Brady when he came out of the tunnel and started saying, yeah, don't even throw to my side. Well, he didn't. Okay, punk. He just went right after your bum teammates. He'll, he can throw at you if he wants, but, I mean, it just goes to show you he's over there covering Hogan, a lacrosse player, and now he wants Jamar Chase. I mean, come on, man. I think he gets torched. I think Chase lights him up. I think Burrow goes right after him, and I'd love to see that. The other punk I want to talk about, and, and like I said, it's it's the battle of the stars. They got the Rams are the super team. You know, it's all fun and games when things are going good, but when things go shitty, helmets are getting tossed, uh, nets are getting kicked, a Gatorade, uh, you know, Gatorade tubs are getting uh, tossed over. How disgusting was that media day uh, interview of uh, of Odell Beckham with Jarvis Landry surprising him? Did you see this, G? Didn't see it. Well, let, let me let me explain what happened. So Odell Beckham got surprised at Super Bowl Media Day by his former teammate, both in college and in the pros, Jarvis Landry. Uh, those who recall, Landry played with Beckham at, at LSU. He also played with him in Cleveland. And he ended up joining the wide receivers media availability on uh, on Monday. And here's what Jarvis Landry had to say. And, and, and you know, obviously I'm flying. I flew home from West Palm Beach. They have the little barf bag in the back of the seat. Gee, I brought it home for you. I'm going to digitally hand it over to you through this Skype. 
Prepare to barf, buddy. Here's what Jarvis Landry said. <clears throat> You're deserving of this moment, bro. You've put in countless hours to get where you are today, and I've witnessed it all firsthand. Now, Beckham couldn't really quite place the voice at first. Then he realized it was his former teammate in Landry. Landry went on and said, you have scars to show for what you are today. This is a dream that you've actually turned into reality. And I wanted to come on here and just let you know that I'm proud of you, bro. There are so many people supporting you every step of the way. Continue to use your light. Continue to be a blessing for others. Landry continued, stating that Odell Beckham Jr. was an embodiment of one of his tattoos, a quote by Martin Luther King Jr. on Beckham's left arm. And I quote the tattoo, the ultimate measure of a man is not where he stands in comfort and convenience, but where he stands in challenge and controversy. This comes, what, two or three months after Odell Beckham's old man was releasing a video uh, of Odell being open but not getting the ball. I mean, he threw his quarterback under the bus. He threw his team under the bus. And I get, I, I have to hear about the ultimate measure of a man and where he stands in challenge and controversy. The guy's a punk. He's a fucking quitter. We saw the bullshit that he pulled on the Giants, kicking shit over on the sideline. The week before a playoff game, he's sitting on a fucking yacht, and now I got to hear this shit on media day? Come on, man. I mean, to me, it sounds like, I mean, did he cure cancer? Or, or, or did, he, did, he cure, did he cure COVID? Uh, like, he bitched his way out of one situation to the next, and he, he made it onto a team that, uh, you know, despite the things that, that we like to say about them, uh, is full of talent and good enough to, to make it to the Super Bowl, make this run. And I'll give Beckham a little bit of his due. He's, he's played well and contributed uh, for the Rams there. But, I mean, you said it about his father. Like, you know, pe people in the world today with, with everything that's going on, uh, you know, the, this, the kids in schools and the COVID restrictions, should the parents be involved? You know, like at, at what age do your parents – you know, not intervene on that stuff, whether it's high school, college, blah, blah, blah. Odell Beckham's a grown-ass man playing in the NFL, and he's got his pops put, putting out videos and criticizing his teammates. Like, miss me with the tattoo and, and, and the, uh, you know, the, the, sob, the, the, the sob story spiel uh, on Super Bowl week. Is Jarvis Landry still on the Browns? I think so. So he's siding with a guy who just stabbed his current employer in the back. I mean, think about it. You have a job. I have a job, right? So you publicly come out and support an ex-coworker who, who, in theory, sabotaged the employer from which you draw your salary. That is fucking disgusting. If I was Cleveland's general manager, I'd get rid of Landry today. Yesterday. Yeah. No, that's that's bizarre, but you know it's the NFL. They got they got to build it up. They got to pretty it up and make some sort of story out of it. Um, but well, that, that's well. We 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 talked about Odell. We talked about um, uh, uh, Jalen Ramsey and how he's lobbying for you know to, to cover Chase and and the story. And hang on a sec. Why does he have to lobby to cover Jamar Chase? Like if you're if you're that great. And if you're your team's number one corner and you're the best corner in the league, like as soon as you won that game against San Francisco, like it's it's there's no questions asked. Like yeah, you're covering the number one receiver on the other team. You don't what, what are you lobbying for? Yeah, does, I didn't does your coach know you're a bum? <laughs> does your coach know that you're overrated and and spent uh you know the better better part of these games against San Francisco chasing Debo Samuel around while he's running into the end zone? It's possible. But sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, no. Are you going I mean, to somebody I else? Gonna, yeah, I was just going to compare and contrast that to, like, you know, Joe Burrow's comment. He got asked about what advice he'd give to young athletes in, in today's day and age. And Joe Burrow says, don't have a workout and post it on Instagram. Work in silence. So, I mean, that's the difference between, um, I think, the young Bengals and the high-flying – uh, Rams of LA with the glitz and the glamour 
L.A. versus Cincinnati, Blue Collar versus Hollywood. I can't wait, man. This is going to be good. Yeah, now that you kind of frame it like that, it it is kind of kind of a great matchup in that regard. I feel like we don't get that a lot. Like usually you get the David versus Goliath, and it's usually the Pats against some team from the NFC that hasn't made it in a while, or you know just has a nice run going. And usually they don't they don't fare too well. But um, you know, quick shout out to Nick Foles and Doug Peterson four year anniversary. The Eagles uh, knocking those bastards off, but. Uh, I don't know if you had anything else you wanted to add. I know we, we gave our picks. We're on the Bengals. We're rooting for the Bengals. But uh, I don't know if you, you just want to run through, you know, a couple couple of the key key kind of matchups and, and say wh- where you see the advantage. Um, yeah, can I, can I start at head coach? That's right. And then we'll, we'll, ju- we'll jump uh, some McVay versus, versus Taylor. Um, obviously, we, we were joking a bit about Taylor going to bars and giving out game balls to the fans. Um, which I think is hilarious now that they're in the Super Bowl. I haven't watched a lot of Zach Taylor. I don't know a lot about Zach Taylor. I know his bum brother, Press Taylor, who was here, Stunk, um, former QB coach for the Eagles. But I, I, I know enough about Sean McVay. Look, I'm not going to recap what he did in that NFC Championship game, which I equated to malpractice. But I will bring up some disturbing information that came through the wire recently through his model girlfriend. Did you see this, Jay? No. So first of all, uh, the, here, here they are, you know, weekend before the Super Bowl. Um, Sean McVay and his fiance, a Ukrainian model, Veronica Komen, which, by the way, like, who knows if Sean McVay is, like, now studying all the geopolitical consequences of Russia and Ukraine. I mean, this guy might just be totally like, uh, you know, distracted by what's going on over there. His Ukrainian model girlfriend, she put up an Instagram story of, you know, uh, I guess, you know, they're laying on the couch and, sh- and she's, she must be sitting above Sean and she takes a, a photo of, of Sean laying on the couch, feet up, and, uh, and, you know, the TV's in the background and they're watching a movie. Um, this, is, this is on Saturday night, right on Instagram stories. And, and, and the quote she put, over the picture of McVeigh with his feet up on the couch on Saturday night, you know, literally one week before the biggest game of his life is uh, best nights heart emoji. Um, you know, you know, following obviously Saturday night, they have all the media obligations, media week, blah, blah, blah. Um, but like this guy put up three fucking points the last time he was in the Super Bowl, And, and, like, does it take me here in Pennsylvania, like a guy who, you know, just has to like look at all the social media and understand like who actually loves football and who doesn't? Like, how is it possible that you on Saturday night you're sitting there watching a movie with your fiance the week before the Super Bowl? I'm sorry. Like, you should be in the office. You should be with your coaches. Um, the guy wasn't prepared when he played Belichick. We'll see if it looks different in Cincinnati. But I, I think that is so bizarre. Even if you want to take three hours and watch a movie with your fiance, how the hell do you let her post a picture of you with your fucking feet up on the couch watching a movie? Yeah, if that game plan, if they, if they come out flat or, you know, there's some, some more questionable challenges or timeout usage from him uh, someday, that, that's, that's a tough look. I mean, I understand work-life balance, but, He's got to take that up with the fiance because that that's a bad luck. You should be, you know, nose deep in the film uh, or or in the game plan. So I'm I'm with you. So McVay versus Taylor. It sounds like you're going Taylor. I'm going Taylor. Like I don't know, I don't know a ton about this guy, but again, I just feel like the Bengals have this workman's like approach. You don't hear a lot about them, and that means they're getting busy doing the things that they need to do. Um, and we know what McVeigh is. He was deer in the headlights in a home NFC championship game when, when the game was in the balance, you know, throwing the red flag, burning the timeouts on first down. Um, and I feel like he, he always needs to be kind of the center of attention and the center of what's going on. Uh, I feel like most good coaches kind of let their, their players do what they need to do. Uh, let them do the talking and, and just kind of, 
intervene when necessary, but I feel like McVeigh kind of feels like he's the star of the show, and, and I just don't like that. Um, and, and I think it might bite him bite him here on Sunday like it almost did in the NFC Championship. So, so I'll take Taylor as well. Um, let's just move to the quarterback. Obviously the most important position in the game. I'll lead us off. I'll keep it brief. You know where I'm going. I'm going Joe Burrow. Joe Cool. Um, I mean, the guy just wins. Uh, he doesn't flinch. He doesn't blink. He's got a great arm. He stands behind a terrible offensive line and still gets the job done. Uh, I don't have a lot of questions about whether Joe Burrow is going to show up and play a good game on Sunday, and I just don't feel the same way about Stafford. Uh, He's way too loose with the ball, way too prone to turnovers, Uh, and he's also limping. Have you noticed that throughout the end of the season in these playoffs? Every time he gets hit, he's up, and he's limping to the sidelines, yet he's back out for the next drive like nothing ever happened. But when he takes a sack or he throws a pick and he got hit, he's he's limping. I I, I don't get that, man. So, he, you know, he just – he doesn't have that gamer in him for me that, that Joe Burrow has. Um, so, I got Joe Burrow. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't need to belabor this. One, one guy won a, a national championship. Um, one guy didn't. Um, both in the SEC – I like big, big game Joe. Um, I just think he's going to show up in the big moments. I mean, you remember what he did in the college football playoff. I mean, they just lit. Remember when they lit up Oklahoma? Oh, yeah. They were laying the beat down on everybody. That was unbelievable. So, uh, I like Burrow. I I, I just think he's going to be, he's going to be more calm under, under pressure and, and he won't be forced into turnovers the same way that Stafford would. Yeah. I think there's, Honestly, I kind of think there's more pressure on on the Rams in this game. I mean, they're the favorite. They got the home field. Hundred um, percent. You know, they they went all in. They've expended all these draft picks and assets and, and cap space and, and contracts and everything. Like this this was their year. Like this is their year. I, I don't know what their situation is next year, but but they went all in. And, and Cincinnati, on the other hand, they're removed from you know single digit wins. A year ago, their franchise quarterback coming off a blown knee, uh, and here they are. I mean, nothing to lose. They have a, they have a whole great bright future in front of them, and this just might be the beginning. So I think if if Stafford and, and the Rams haven't felt the pressure just yet, uh, you know, and they get punched in the mouth early Sunday, they they they're they're in for it. The other, the other thing, I mean, not not a matchup thing, but just think about the Cincinnati Bengals division, right? Historically, Baltimore's tough. Historically, Pittsburgh is tough. Um, it's just a different style, right? It used to be that that smash mouth, almost the, the same kind of reputation that the NFC East used to have. Um, so I think there's something to that as well where, you know, the guys on the team are used to playing, you know, grinded out, tough football games. And um, I, I don't know that the the high flying Rams playing against, you know, Midget Murray and Cliff Kingsbury and Shanahan and the Seahawks are used to that style of play. And I think you know, in big games, that stuff matters. Absolutely, and I'll I'll toss this nugget in right now too. Um, interesting stat. I'm stealing this from our guy, the Philly Godfather. Um, but I thought it was very interesting, kind of, kind of telling. The Rams are 5-5 five and five versus playoff teams this year. Average margin of loss being 12.2 points. The Bengals, however, are 7-2 and two versus playoff teams this year, and both losses were by three points in overtime. So you're thinking they at least keep it in the number? I think they, they got to keep it in the number. Uh, you know, and again, Seven to two versus playoff teams, two overtime losses. They're they're always in the game. Yep. Good good bad or indifferent. Good bad or ugly. You know they hang in. They take they trade punches. They get back up. Um, and I I really don't think, you know, people are are looking at the win against the Titans enough. Um, I mean obviously the Chiefs is a big win and winning an Arrowhead, but I don't I, just because there are more games on divisional weekend. Like the Titans were the one seed. They have a great defense. They had Derrick Henry back. 
They're good in the trenches. And again, yes, the Bengals gave up the nine sacks, but that's a Mike Vrabel defense that, that is a very good defense. And somehow or, or another, that they, they got it done, whether it was skiing from Taylor, plays from Burrow. Um, you know, so for all the shortcomings along the offensive line, that everybody wants to say that Aaron Donald's going to have a day and Vaughn Miller's going to feast. They've had two weeks to cook this thing up and, and put their best foot forward. And I, I think, you know, based on the track record in this playoffs, the Bengals, the Bengals will, you know, hold serve. Yeah. And the fact that the tight ends playing is great because you can start shipping some of those guys on the way out. Right. That's always the big, you know, when you have trouble to tackle, you you gotta have those tight ends there and lined up and and chip on the way out and you know get get them involved in kind of that short passing game, that screen game, maybe some balls over the middle um, to kind of keep that rush off of the QB. Yeah, and then I guess just just quickly, like I, I think about kind of the rest of the matchups, and I'll just run through kind of my thoughts. I mean, you look at the offensive skill positions, the running back, the wide receivers. Um, I think both teams have, have great guys at the skill position. Um, you look at, I, I just think Mixon, you know, kind of puts Cincinnati over the edge. Uh, you know, Akers has been shaky throughout the playoffs um, with, with fumbles. And I don't know if he's dinged up and if Sonny Michelle's dinged up. There's just, you know, there, there's not really a guy in, in L.A. for the Rams. But that Mixon, man, he runs hard and, and he's their guy. Um pretty even at receiver both teams have, have talented tight ends uh, I don't know if Higby's in or out for the Rams but the guy I think his last name is Blanton or Stanton something like that he's filled in admirably for them so um, you know pretty close match up there but I'd go edge Bengals uh, in terms of the trenches I will give the edge to the Rams um, you know so if the Rams are, are going to win this game uh, I'd look for them to dominate in the trenches uh, and then kind of defensive backfield I don't know. I think I think I just go kind of wash. I feel like both these these defenses are kind of built up front and wreak havoc from up front, and then just kind of let their their back end do their thing. So I think that's a wash for me. Yeah, I agree. I totally agree. Anything else? I mean, it's that? easy for us to say. It's like, oh yeah, give the edge to the Bengals. Um, we're taking the Bengals. Obviously, <laughs> we we see there's some sort of edge there. Um, you know, normally these games are won in the trenches. You said it, right? Like, if the Rams win it, that's going to be the reason why. But I, I just, I just think that, uh, you know, they're going to do enough to keep keep the heat off of Barrow and protect protect them. And I think Stafford can be forced into into mistakes. You mentioned Acres; he's prone to dropping the ball. Um, so you know, win the turnover battle, win the game, right? That'll definitely be a factor, as always, but. And I and I don't want to discount Cooper Cup either. That guy's had had kind of an MB, MVP caliber season. Uh, somehow always open. You know everybody knows about him. Still these teams can't cover him. So uh, you you would look for the Bengals to have some sort of game plan for him because you know he's the uh, the straw that stirs the drink for the Rams offense and for Matthew Stafford in that passing game. So d- didn't want to overlook him again. Um, you know, fan, fantastic season, fantastic player, probably the best wide receiver in the NFL right now. But Chase, Higgins, even Tyler Boyd, I mean, he's got to be the best number three in the league. Uh, and, and then mixing, you know, over, over that L.A. backfield, that's that's what's doing it for me. You got anything else to add on the game, or are we just uh, going to move right along and, and look forward to Sunday and cheering in the Bengals? No, I mean, let's let's look forward to Sunday, man. Um, you know, actually, I wanted to ask you a question, right? I had, I had a bit of a vigorous debate on the golf trip. There was some talk on uh, Super Bowl parties, um, viewing parties, things of that nature. What is your opinion on them? Walk us a little bit through your thoughts on how to watch the game as a, you know, as a true NFL fan, a true football guy. Um, I'd love to get your take. You know, just so 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 the listeners are prepared for, you know, how to strap up and buckle in ahead of, ahead of kickoff. Yeah, I mean, I think I think the ideal Super Bowl setup, game kicks at what six or six thirty, six forty, whatever the hell it is. 
you know, I, I think you get a group of, you know, whether you're a couple, you, you know, you got a significant other, maybe you get a couple couples, maybe six to eight total people. Uh, you know, whether, whether you're a guy and you're with the guys, maybe six to eight guys, but, but I'd cap it at eight. I cap, I cap, I cap the, uh, you know, the, t- the total number of people in the room at eight. Um, and, and you need, you need good people to watch with, right? You can't have somebody who's, you know, commentating on, you know, what she's wearing in the crowd, uh, you know, or talking about the pregame festivities or, you know, someone who, you know, they don't watch football every week and, oh, they, why did they throw this flag or what, what happened here? What, what's the, no, you can't have that. Uh, I think, I think it's a great social event if you're with the right people. If there's people that just want to be involved in the food and, and the drinking and the socializing, you know, there's two separate rooms, you know, they're, they're, but there's a room for the game to be watched uh, and quiet, you know, discussions can be had at commercials uh, and, and st- stoppages of play that are, that are a little bit more extended, but, you know, it's got to be locked in uh, small group and minimal distractions, a uh, lot of good snacks beverages, whatever you're feeling, but, but the company is the most important. What if I told you, so you said six to eight people max. What if I told you that the average Super Bowl party contains 17 people? Your thoughts? Too many. It's way too many, too much commotion. Um, I, I can't count on, on 17 people to, to sit and watch the game and, and not make a fuss. You know, wh- what is this? An NBC? Is this an NBC Super Bowl? Who's got the Super yeah, Bowl? Al Michael's last call, isn't it? One of his yeah, last so, calls. Yeah, so, so I need to hear what Al Al's got to say. Um, you know, as goofy and and as as much as you know, we've gotten into Collinsworth over the season here. I want to hear what he has to say. Uh, and Michelle Tafoya and whoever else might be working the sidelines. I think Catherine Tappan's gotten from work some work for them this year. You know, I want to hear what they got to say. These people, uh, they they do a nice job. It's the biggest stage uh, for the NFL for the game of the season. Um, 17, too much commotion, too crowded. You know, you're, you can't get to the fridge, uh, can't find a napkin for, for my, my fingers, you know, from the Buffalo chicken dip. I, I need, I need everything in place. I need everything in order. Uh, I need, I need peace. Uh, I don't need commotion. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, personally, I'm a guy who enjoys to watch it by himself. I like to lock in, but if I had to go to a party, um, I would agree with you on, on much of your sentiment. I would say that uh, the volume of the television would probably need to be double that of a normal NFL Sunday that you're watching at home. I would say it needs to be loud enough to where conversations on the couch cannot occur. Um, it's not my job to explain to you what play is reviewable and what play isn't reviewable. Okay. If you're not watching football, like I'm, you want that shit? Go, uh, you know, Go call up Gene Steratore. I'm not. I'm not here to explain the rules of the NFL to you. Um, I'm not here to make small talk during the game. I also don't like people crossing over. You know, they, sometimes people put the apps on the coffee table. I think the apps. I think anything food related that requires a plate needs to be in the kitchen. You need to make your own plate. You make it over there. You want to come back into the living room where the television and the speakers are bumping. That's fine, but I don't need you leaning over to the coffee table during a big play to grab an extra chicken wing. I just don't think that's appropriate. Um, and, and I would say if you are in your 20s or 30s, I really think your group needs to be limited to, obviously, if you have a significant other, uh, she's more than, she or he is more than welcome to join. I would think that if you're a big football fan, they also understand football and like football. Uh, so we'll start there. But if you're a guy and you have guy friends, uh, I think you need to to almost segregate the groups into gamblers and non-gamblers. So if you are a gambler, you need to be watching the game with other gamblers because you got props going on, you got national anthem going on, you got the coin flip going on, you got the, obviously the total and 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 the line of the game. If you're a non-gambler, likewise, you need to be watching it with non-gamblers. I don't think you can mix those waters in one of the biggest gambling days of the year, explaining this. Oh, why are you upset there? Oh, why did you? Why are you upset that they scored? I thought you wanted the Bengals to win. Well, I have the fucking under too. So, 
it's it's those things that I think make up a, a, a specific, you know, type of vibe that you're looking for during the watching of the game, during the viewing party, if you will. Um, so just some just some advice here from your two boys, bomb G, as you gear up for some plans on Sunday, Super Bowl Sunday, and any any type of viewing party you're going to. Well, I think optimally and and ideally, uh, and you know, not everybody ha- has the setup or, or is fortunate enough, and and I'm I'm not knocking it, but if you can have two rooms and two separate TVs. Like you said, whether it's the gamblers and the non-gamblers, or you know the the guy the guys or gals that really want to lock in and watch, and then the people that kind of want to chit chat, um, you know, if you can if you can have two two rooms, same same building, same house, same whatever, but two rooms and you know, one room is quiet and, and locked in, the other room can can be the social room. It's it's very acceptable, uh, it's possible, um, but. The other thing I wanted to mention, you talk about the gamblers. Now, I was getting into this uh, with some folks uh, at Lulu Country Club the other night, down there playing some cards, you know, yucking it up, getting ready for the season. And we're talking about, you know, being at the club and everybody talks about, oh, what'd you shoot and how'd you play? Um, And we can talk more about this in golf season. But in terms of gambling and, and, you know, everybody's got – this Gatorade and this time on the national anthem and the coin toss. Now, now it's great to have action. It's great to cheer when you win. It's great to, to, well, it's not great to be pissed when you lose, but it's understandable. But you can't, if you're, if you're in the gambler's room, you can't be the guy or the gal that's sitting there telling everybody what you got for each prop in each quarter. And, Oh, I, I have this guy to score. Uh, and this guy under receiving yards. No, you can't do that. All right. You want to tell everybody who you like in the game. That's great. Or, sh- you know, share some stuff before the game or at halftime. Fabulous. Once the game starts, nobody wants to hear about your bets. We've all won bets. We've all lost bets. We've all had bad beats. We don't need to beat it to death. Yeah, particularly props, because that's that's literally just like lottery tickets. It's, it's nothing to do with really the game. Right. So couldn't agree more. It's like listening to somebody yammer on and on about their fantasy football team. Nobody gives a shit. We're, we all have action. We're just throwing money into the app to try to get to try to get a quick win. Um, that that's that is what it is. So I agree with you there, G. Beautiful. Well, looking forward to Sunday. Um, I, I think. What about? Let me ask you this before before you shut it. Down. What about sure. blocks? Do you? So obviously blocks are a big thing. Um, at, at what at what point in the given quarter is it socially acceptable to start talking about the numbers you have on the blocks? Because I have my own opinion. I'd like to get yours. Ooh. See, I feel like I always give my opinion, and then you say what your opinion is, and I tend to agree with that more. Um, and I haven't had any time to think about this, but in terms of blocks and what score you need – I, I maybe it's got it might have to be under two minutes. It's it's got to be situational, right? Like it's got to be under two minutes, and there can't be anybody close to scoring, right? Like it's got to yep. be like t- under two minutes. Somebody just started a drive, and if they go eighty yards or if they go fifty yards and kick a field goal, and you're fucked. All right, then then I'll have a little empathy for you. But you know, if there's five and a half minutes left. Uh, and and the Rams are are first and goal at the five. I I, I don't want to hear it. You know, both these teams have pretty good offenses. They've been able to score points, and we've seen what's happened in in the Bills and the Chiefs game with all the scores there. We've seen what's happened um, in the AFC Championship uh, with the Bengals storming all the way back, and and the lead changes late in the game in the NFC Championship. Under two minutes, nobody in, in scoring range. Uh, and then we can talk. Uh, that's a, that's the exact number that I was going to throw out. Two minutes is the 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 uh, you know the line, so to speak. And you're right; like you can't be even if you even if you have the ball on the fifty, right? And you have a number, and there's two there's two minutes left or a minute left. I don't want to hear it because it's two first down and a field goal. Yeah, it's it, it's just like the batting thing, right? Like if you win. Hooray. You know, good good job, good win. But 
if if you get boned because somebody threw a pick six right before half or this guy fumbled at the one and then they they kneeled it to go go into the locker room oh and i i missed that square if if they would have scored that i don't care i'm sorry just like you don't care that that you know i lost the first quarter the first half uh you know the first half under and i lost all that nobody cares nobody cares yeah, the only and like blocks, you know, like I don't really ever think there's a bad beat in a block, right? Because it's just the flow of the game and what what the score is at the time. Um, the only bad beat I've ever seen in terms of blocks was that Ravens 49ers Super Bowl, um, where Baltimore took an intentional safety at the end of the game, so they so they could punt uh, punt the ball and uh, and naturally that that was that was a uh, an instance where. That I could, you know, the person who wins, great. The person who loses, like, that that really blows. Yeah, bad beats happen. They happen to everybody. They happen every which way. Um, you know, I, I I do empathize with, with people. It's happened to me, and it's happened to everybody. But it just doesn't need to be a whole story. Like, back to the golf analogy. When, when you're around a million golfers and everybody's in the clubhouse having lunch, drinking beers after the round, on a Saturday afternoon and you go in and somebody asks, how'd you play? You say good or you say bad. You don't say, oh, I shot a 96, but, you know, I, I hit one into the road on the first tee. And then on the third hole, I hit I hit one in the water and I missed a two foot. Everybody yeah, we, does we this shit. We don't need the play by play. Good or bad. Good or bad. That's it. Nothing else to add. Well... Tell you what, Bob, it's been it's been a hell of a year. Uh, you know, this is this football season's what really kind of kicked this podcast uh, off and, and into 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 gear here. Um, so it, I just would like to say it's been an honor, been a pleasure, uh, and seriously, thank you to everybody that that listens and, and provides feedback and interacts with us. Uh, you know, it, it, it makes it fun, it makes it worth doing. So, thank you everybody for listening. Uh, enjoy the big game. We'll, we'll get some polls going on the Instagram this week, see how everybody's feeling about the game, who they like. Um, and, yeah, we'll, we'll count it down to Sunday. Super Bowl 56, Bengals, Rams, NLA. We will be back next week uh, to recap the game, give our thoughts, uh, and look forward to the spring here. But uh, until next time, thank you to Shamrock Sun. Thank you to Menard Premium Detailing. Wherever you're listening, Throw us five stars, and we will talk with everybody again next week. Enjoy the Super Bowl. Peace.